Welcome to Pebble in the Pond, a podcast that hopes to create a ripple of change for mental health. My name is Sam Stewart and I'm the CEO of the Australian and New Zealand Mental Health Association. Each year I have the pleasure of attending events to meet and connect with the most fascinating and accomplished people in mental health. Listen in as I go one-on-one with the people changing the face of mental health in Australia and New Zealand, from lived experience speakers through to researchers, academics and influential industry leaders. Our Pebble in the Pond podcast episodes may contain themes or topics of discussion that may be triggering to some listeners. If you feel you need assistance with your mental health at any time, please contact Lifeline on 13 11 14 or visit the Get Help page for additional resources at anzmh.asn.au. Hello listeners and thanks for tuning in to another episode of our podcast. When it comes to performing at your peak, physical and mental health play an equally important role. Professional athletes are under constant pressure to maintain a high level of focus and fitness. And here to share his secrets to success in this week's podcast, Fijian-born Australian rugby union player Samu Kuretti. Growing up in Fiji, at the age of six, Samu found himself living in the Solomon Islands until he was evacuated during a coup and was then put on a plane to where he thought he was going back to Fiji, or possibly even New Zealand. Instead, they landed in Australia and were helped out by the Salvation Army. Throughout his schooling, Samu played in Queensland uh, in various school sides, uh, and had his first uh, taste of senior rugby when he debuted for the Queensland Reds against the Highlanders in Brisbane in 2014. In 2016, he made his test debut for the Wallabies against England in Brisbane. He was an integral part of Australia's World Cup campaign last year in Japan. A strong grounding in faith and religion has been one of Samu's driving forces to keep him on his path, where he has seized the opportunity to visit different countries, cultures, and enjoy a highly successful career and now play professional rugby in Japan. Tune into episode 21 to hear about Samu's upbringing in Fiji, his childhood, the pressures of being a professional athlete and what drives him in his, in his ambitions to become the best centre in world rugby. All right, thanks everyone for joining us today. Uh, I have the pleasure of introducing uh, Samu Karevi uh, to today's podcast and mate, it's a pleasure to have you on. Thanks very much for joining me. No, thank you, Sam. Uh, thank you for having me on board. I uh, really appreciate it. No, no worries, mate. I know you, you're, uh, you know, you guys, uh, I mean, you're, are you supposed to be, uh, you know, in a normal year, you would actually be, yeah. could you now play in Japan, would you be now home on on holidays? Yeah, or it might, depending, um, actually, in June right now, we would be having you know, the finals. Finals and stuff, okay. Um, yeah, and obviously, we would, we would want to be pushing for that, so um, maybe the last game, yeah, uh, would be happening either the end of May or or start of June, uh, depending on the scheduling. So, uh, yeah, so we, we still would be there right now, and um, yeah, it's crazy to think that I'm already home, mate. It's uh, I mean, we'll, we'll get into you know Japan and and uh, obviously your your recent stint with the Wallabies and the Reds as well, and and talk about the uh, you know, how you've sort of come to be in that professional athlete status. But I guess if we used to go back to your upbringing, um, you're born and bred in Fiji. Is that correct? In a village? Yeah. Yeah. Born in, um, born in Suva, Fiji. And then, um, we migrated to the Solomon Islands with my, with my grandparents. 
How old uh, were you when you did when you migrated to Solomon Islands? Uh, well, I think I was about six years old. I was oh. around six years old uh, when we left. Um, yeah, I, I hadn't. I guess like, uh, not much people know, but like our family in Fiji was uh, was pretty tough uh, environment where we grew up, uh, especially the area that we lived up. And uh, my grandfather, well, he, he's like he's not even. Uh, like as you in the western side, like say his grandfather, um, he's my grandmother's, my grandmother's sister's family. Okay. Um, so I don't know what you'd call that, like here in Australia, maybe great uncle or whatever. But I, like I call him dad. Yeah. He kind of um, he was a minister for um in Fiji and also um he worked for uh, the Commonwealth government at the time. So he moved into that street where my parents were. Um, it was it was a pretty tough neighborhood, uh, as I said, and um, yeah, he kind of took control of of our family there, and I really looked after us, and like you know, brought brought the gospel and brought God into our lives in that neighborhood, which changed a lot of things. So um, he was the one that moved to the Solomon Islands for work, um, okay. and I like kind of tagged along, thinking it was just you know going down to the beach or something, but um, <laughs> yeah, didn't really realize that 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 moment kind of changed. My whole life from there, to be honest. Wow. So, so mate, with those first six years in Fiji, growing up in a, a tough sort of a, an upbringing, I mean, what what was it like? Was it was it fairly peaceful? Was it just really obviously the basic necessities? Um, do you remember much about it? Yeah, like because um, because we would go back, um, you know, every year once we've gotten to Australia, um, I'd go back and see the family and everything. Um, Obviously, as a child, you don't remember too much things, but yeah. um, I know it's not. It, uh, when I say it was peaceful, man, it was, there was a lot of love in our family. There was a lot of yeah. um, love within each other. I guess it's just the the lifestyle that um, our family had back in the day wasn't the you know the one that you you want your kids to grow up in. Yeah, um, the type of environment, the type of people that uh, was living around the neighborhood. It was it was a tough neighborhood because. Um, you know, people didn't have a lot of opportunities uh, from that neighborhood. You know, so um, they 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 turned to other things to to crime in that. You know, so yeah. um, my grandfather didn't want didn't want my my brothers and, and my cousins to to grow up in that. And um, you know, really thankful that a lot of those people have to now changed their life around um, yeah. because you know uh, because of the word because of. Um, our belief in, in God and, and that coming through our, our family and especially my family, they've really turned away from that and, and they're living uh, an honest honest life. And you know, my uncles, who who were known for that back back in the day, have um, have really turned their life around and, and they're really proud of what I'm doing now and changing, I guess, our name. So um, oh, that's what I'm really proud of. Um, yeah, that that big change they had to make um, to make it was you know it would have been tough for them. Because um, they would have been living in that lifestyle uh, for a while, so um, man. But I, I never would, was was sort of kids and a little love. And um, I remember a lot of um, you know afternoons we'd be playing with all the kids together. So yeah, um, yeah it was it was awesome. It was an awesome childhood uh, to grow up in. Because I guess for me, I was kind of blinded from all that being yeah. a child. Um, I didn't see yeah. a lot of that um, crime or anything like that to happen, and we were kind of sheltered from that and you know as I'm as I'm really grateful for because you know that, that that could have scarred us as a kid yeah. uh, and we wouldn't have 
been able to have the mindset that we have today because of those lessons that we kind of were hidden away from and taught good lessons and good values uh, since since being a child. And so, how many uh, how many other siblings do you have in your family? Yes, yeah, so I've I've got two brothers. One's okay. uh, one year older than me, and one's three three or four years younger than me. Yeah, he was born in '98, so um, he's a couple of years younger than us. Um, but like in Fiji and uh, most Pacific Island uh, families and communities, you have more than just your yeah. your blood brothers and brothers and sisters. You know, you have a whole community. You have, like 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 I said, in our street, we have a whole street that sort of cousins would you know may not have been related to, but uh, we're cousins because we brought up in kind of the same same environment and and you know same kind of generation together. So uh, I have a lot of family, a lot of family in Fiji. And mate, the Fiji like the culture seems to be very family orientated, uh, and you know you're all they all seem to be caring for everybody. Everybody eats together. They all share the food, share the money, live together. Is is that definitely? Uh, the culture that that seemed to be what you were brought up in, and something that stays with you today. Yeah, hundred percent, mate. I think you hit it um, right on the head there. Like we really do share everything: uh, finances, uh, food, clothes, uh, moments, um, you know, the tough times, the, the sad times. Um, you know, everything that we do is kind of as a collective, and as as people would say, that village mentality of coming together. To, to help, um, you know, birthdays, uh, death, marriages, you know, it's all big party and uh, especially death is, a, death is a celebration of, of life, um, as tough it is, as it is. So yeah. um, I guess it's a lot different um, to the Western living, I guess, and yeah. in some parts, you know, um, where, where it's just a bit different, but um, it has taught me a lot of lessons about sharing and and giving up my time for others, and I think the biggest—I think the biggest thing—is accepting, accepting a lot of people um, with any race, uh, with any background, with any religion. Is it's really being acceptance of of who they are and yeah. what they stand for, uh, but also standing firm on on my beliefs and my culture and who I am, and uh, not conforming to um, just because my one of my best mates is this. Oh, yeah. act like this doesn't mean I have to be that. Um, yes. It's really, yeah, I guess that upbringing really grounds who we are and um, who I believe in and my beliefs and faith um, makes it really hard to just sway sway one side uh, where where culture can do that sometimes for us. Because um, yeah. you know, all the Fijian boys are doing it, we might do it all. But, um, yeah, it's, it's I guess faith comes in. Faith would be the biggest part of, of my life um, to come in and keep me steadfast of, who I am and, and who I want to be. I was going to say, I mean, religion is a big part of the culture, isn't it, uh, in Fiji yeah. uh, and the faith? And, uh, I mean, tell us a bit about that. Is that is that really, obviously you've referred to it a few times, that's something definitely that has, has helped you and shaped who you are today? Oh, 100%. Um, above anything else, um, even above my parents, above my grandfather, my faith would have to be the one that, the biggest lesson they've taught me, um, you know, to follow, um, because you know, in in the word, uh, it may say that like you know, pe- people will fail, your family will fail you, yeah. uh, but God won't. Um, no matter the circumstance, no matter how you're feeling about a situation or the timing of situations that you want, 
um, God never fails. Yes. Um, so for me, um, you know, that's how I've lived my life. I, I know uh, my, my parents and I, uh, my partner and I, my, my family and I will have disagreements. Um, my best friends will have uh, will have disagreements. My boys, my cousins will all have disagreements about certain aspects of life or certain subjects. But I know God knows in my heart. And I know uh, for me, that's what gets me through some tough times, um, knowing that his plan outweighs any other plan that man has against me. So, um, yeah, faith has a big, it's probably the most important part of my life. Uh, and I'm not saying I'm the most per- uh, perfect Christian or perfect man of God. That's that's I'm far from that. Um, it's just my foundation of life and how I make decisions is is solely, um, you know, from my foundations is God um, understanding where He wants me or uh, what He wants me to do through certain things, and obviously the people as well around me that that He's placed in my in my life have nothing but positivity that they bring. Uh, and honesty uh, is is probably the biggest thing as well. So yeah, Man, well, what a great set of values, and uh, and obviously it's played a big role in 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 who you are today, and also the people that are surrounding you. But if you going to the to the Solomon Islands, how long were you, were you living in the Solomon Islands for with your grandfather? Well, yeah, we were, we were there probably just less than a year uh, when the yeah. when I'm pretty sure when the coup coup happened, so the military took over. Okay, um, and and we were kind of forced out of. We'll start at Solomon Islands and um, we were brought back to Fiji. Well, yeah, we were being brought back to Fiji because of, of the coup. And obviously my grandfather was there with the Commonwealth government, which was being overthrown. Um, so, yeah, we, we were like, the army came and took us took us to safety. Um, we weren't allowed to really take anything with us um, from the house. Wow. We kind of just up and left with, with really, really, yeah, with nothing. I guess we just... Um, yeah, we just got told to get in the car and, and head straight to the airport. So um, that's how we kind of got evacuated, basically, from from uh, the Solomon Islands. And then you went back to Fiji for a few more years? No. So we were, I think, as my grandfather tells us, we were actually, yeah, we were meant to be going to Fiji. And the way, uh, how he told me the story is that um, the plane that we got on was a New Zealand New Zealand uh, aircraft. Like, you know, those... Um, there's army, there's military aircraft. Yeah. So we got in there. They were all Kiwis, um, <laughs> and thank God for them. They they came and picked us up. And um, so my my grandfather thought we were going straight back to um to Fiji, but or New Zealand. Um, but we ended up stopping in Australia, and and we we got off there. So um, it was a massive like you know me. I was what six years old. I, I didn't even understand what's going on. Yeah, I thought we were just going for a trip, like I said, to the beach, but ended up being <laughs> a whole different. Speaking of home different countries, so um, yeah, we got, we got to uh, the air, uh, got on the aircraft, flew to Australia, got off the tarmac, and straight into a warehouse uh, where they had Salvation Army uh, to pick up some clothes for us. Um, the banks, like you know, the Commonwealth Bank was there to help us with finances, and, and immigration was there to help us give us our new visas or, or whatnot um, to be allowed to stay in the country for uh, a little while longer. So. Um, yeah, that's how I basically came to Australia. So, wow. um, you know, I, I see, I see these, um, you know, you see the news about people trying to flee from, um, from poverty and war in other countries, and I'm, I'm nowhere near that. Like, I was, yeah. I, we were very lucky to not be, you know, part of war or anything. But yeah. um, I understand the struggle of, of, of wanting a better life for their and safety for their kids, and 
for their family. And, um, you know, like, it's funny because I was so young, I didn't realize the, how, I guess, how important it was doing that. Um, you know, I just, I'm a kid, so I, I yeah. think I'm, I'm just being taken care of. Um, so to look back at it now as an adult, I'm really grateful for my grandparents and uh, their family for, you know, just what they've done for me to this day and yeah. um, what I've been able to accomplish because of because of that. And it's it's just crazy. Um, it's crazy to think that we came to Australia on a on a New Zealand military plane. Yeah, uh, yeah. You, you <laughs> so, thought it was going to Fiji or, or New Zealand, and then yeah. That's that's really interesting. Um, and so you you had your family, like your grandfather, your brothers were still with you then, obviously. Um, so my brothers were in Fiji. Um, okay. They stayed with my. So my my older brother was actually um, living with my actual grandfather, um, who is my mother's dad. So yes. They were there um, in another side of of Fiji. My little brother would have just been born. He probably would have been three years old by then, or two years old. By the time we, um, he, yeah, he would have been one years old by the time we left. Wow. Um, so because we got to Australia to, in basically the start of 2000 or end of 99, mm. um, we got to, we got to, um, Australia. And, um, the funny thing is like on the way back from the Solomon Islands, as we were going to probably would have been trying to go to Fiji, Fiji had their coup as well. At the same time. Uh, the military took over. Yeah. Similar time. So. Um, that's probably why we we've ended up staying in Australia or stopping in Australia. Um, oh. Yeah, and so and, and that's one of events. And that's what led you to stay there even longer, obviously. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Because you know, my grandfather was still working for the Commonwealth government. Yeah. And Fiji, being a Commonwealth government at the time, uh, being taken over by the military, um, it would have just been safer to to stay in Australia. So um, oh. we seek asylum. I think we, uh, my grandfather was in a asylum visa or something like that i'm not too sure the terminology around it but um yeah we, we would we were on that type of visa uh for a while until we started um changing visas in australia and uh, even that even doing visa is <laughs> uh man it's a battle of itself it's a, it's a long battle to to gain citizenship that i have now um yeah yeah you, well, know, you got, got that win back in 15 or something 16 yeah, 20, 2016, I got it, and yeah. I've been in Australia since 2000. Wow. So, 16 years, yeah, to, uh, to get, 20 years, 2015 to 2016, yeah. And it's not like you weren't on the list, right? I mean, you were on the list waiting for that whole time. It's not like you just said in 2015, I want to have a uh, the citizenship, right? I mean... Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's tough. I think uh, my, my grandfather uh, did his best to, um, you know, help us through with visas and stuff, and yeah. We changed from a uh, political visa to, I think, asylum visa to some political visa to religious visa um, to, oh man, what's a permanent residency? And then yeah. finally um, ended up getting citizenship. Um, getting my citizenship, you know, thanks to the big thanks to the Wallabies who, um, you know, really helped with that. Because, um, you know, I was, I, was, I was with the Reds by 2013, so. Um, playing Reg trying to travel was one of the hardest things because I had a because I'm I'm a, I'm a dual citizen holder, uh, uh, so I've got I've got both passports now. But yeah. uh, uh, before I would be just traveling with my Fiji passport, which was like any footy player that plays that has holds a, a Pacific Islander passport knows like you know you have to fly to Canberra for a day just to get your visas for certain countries that we're going to oh, wow. uh, for the South Africa trip, uh, Argentinian trip. Like yeah, it's, it's crazy, um, but it was enjoyable because you know all. All the brothers would be going down there uh, just to get their 
visas for the day, um, yeah. get to miss training or whatnot. So yeah, it was been a good trip. <laughs> Mate, uh, what when you so you're so you're in so that brought you to Australia and you're there and obviously you got to you got to start. Um, uh, you know, with the the salvos, obviously helped you out. And um, yeah. I mean, what what did you want to be? When do you remember when you were a kid, when you were growing up? Did you remember thinking that you wanted to be something? Yeah. And what was that? Um, yeah, I mean, just when you're going through that, like, uh, like I've been cause up to that point when we got to Australia, I've I've been in Fiji, been in Solomon Islands, and I was in Australia, you know, yeah. um, before my seventh birthday. Um, so like I had so much changes. I was just, I think I would have just been a kid. I wasn't really sure what I wanted to be. I guess, um, when I got to, I went to uh, a primary school. So once we got in, in 2000, I think I started school again. I had to repeat grade one because I was going through grade one, um, when all that coup happened. And then when we got here, my grandmother decided to start me again. Um, so I wouldn't miss any education, but I don't think that helped. Because you know I'm not the smartest bloke uh, here, so um, that for me, um, studying again, school, um, having new friends again uh, was, was I guess it was, would have been fun for me because you know I was a kid. Uh, but I remember uh, I, I went to school, um, Southside Christian College, the first four years of um, primary. Yeah, um, yeah, in, in Australia by then, um, I think I, I remember writing writing down that I wanted to be a fireman um, because we had we had a day at school where firemen actually came out and showed us uh, what they got up to and I was so excited <laughs> as a kid like I was like that is so cool to, to see that um, to have the spraying out water the, the, the truck the big red truck with the sirens and the whole suit and the whole get up um, for me was really exciting and I, mm. uh, as a young kid um, I really wanted to do that and at the time, uh, Southside Christian College, they didn't play rugby. So I wasn't playing rugby at all from grade one to four until I left and went to um, Sunshine, um, Sunny Hills. Yeah, Sunny Bank Hills. Sunny Bank Hills, yeah. Yeah, that's when, that's when I started playing rugby league um, and playing rugby union. So oh, we'd, wow. be, we'd be playing rugby league on Friday afternoons after school. Uh, and we'd be playing a rugby union on Sundays. Um, so that's where my love for rugby kind of grew. And as a Fijian kid, you, you always have rugby in your heart. Um, yeah. You see it all around you. But because I missed those years in Fiji, I kind of developed my rugby, playing touch with it, with, with my cousins and that here in, in Fiji, in uh, Brisbane, sorry. And we have a massive, massive Fijian community in Brisbane, so I was going to say, I mean, did you know when you, uh, you know, in the, in coming to Australia, did you know, uh, was there already extended family or friends that were over here and, uh, and did they, were they sort of helpful in, in welcoming you in the community and, and trying to have that Fijian culture still? Yeah. Like, like not, I, like, like I said, like the Fijian community is family. So yeah. All the Fijian team in Brisbane, like I call cousins and uncles and that, they might not be blood related, but they are family, you know. Um, they helped shape my life. So the, the Brisbane community it helped um, shape my life and the rugby life I have, uh, the friendships I have. Um, they, the community really stood around us and, and got around us when we arrived. And um, I can't be thankful enough. And not, I'm so proud to be a Brisbane Fijian, you know. Yeah. Um, 
we have we've had a lot of great rugby players come out um, of of Brisbane, but not also that we have like uh, doctors, you know, we have nurses, we have yeah. engineers that have come out, um, and that's probably what I'm really proud of that um, you know because our families have sacrificed to be here, to be here in Australia, to be in Sydney, in Brisbane, wherever it is, Cairns. Um, I think it's up to our generation to really stand up and and strive for, for greatness, I guess people would say. Um, yeah. Strive for something better than just what our family had when we came and really give back to that Fijian community. So it's really important to me um, that, that, you know, education is important, that we, mm. we get our youngins um, through that and, um, you know, get them going. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's crazy. They, they've had a big part of my life. Emma, you mentioned you started playing sports, rugby league, rugby union, uh, in the latter part of primary school. Um, ha- how important was sports in shaping, you know, your character, teaching your lessons? Uh, I mean, was it? Did you really enjoy that? And and was that a part of helping build your character? Yeah, man. Um, I think sports plays a big role in building um, not only character but resilience, um, because especially about character and who you are, like you, you play with so many different backgrounds. And I, I remember in our school, we had different backgrounds playing rugby league with us. Um, and that's how, you know, you, you, you met your Aussie mates, you met uh, your, your Tongans and Samoans and um, all different backgrounds, you know. Um, I remember I had a lot of a lot of mates that were uh, Aboriginals that um, that I, I found out about, about their cultures and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's just crazy. Like, that's what sport brings together, different cultures, different beliefs, um, and we're all going for the same goal. Um, so you learn you learn to love each other. You learn to accept each other, um, which is which is important for any kid, you know, especially yeah. with, with everything going on right now. Uh, I think it's really important. And, and sport is not the only avenue, but I, I feel like sport really drives that because everyone wants to have fun with sport, yeah. uh, and it brings people together. So... Uh, rugby league was massive because I had I would have one group of friends in rugby league, and then I have another different group of friends in rugby union on Sundays. Yeah. So you know it, it was it was crazy. It was, it was two different. I feel like two different demographics of people because uh, rugby league would would breed these certain people, and then rugby union would breed a different type of people, um, which I I I got to hang out with. I got to hang out with um, you know rugby union players who. At club level, they they all went to the nice schools, you know. They went mm. to the Naji colleges and the BBCs and uh, Saint Laurie's and all those nice schools, because um, even they had, you know, um, like I guess it was different to where the rugby league boys, some of us rugby league boys, were. We went to the schools that weren't so, um, you know, on the high on the economic side of things. So yeah. um, I got to meet both people. I got to understand both people, and um, and as a kid. Like you just want to play sport and play footy, so there's no, no, like, uh, yeah, it's just like nothing with race or anything. You just wanted to play. Um, mm. So it was, it was awesome, man. It was awesome to to learn those lessons really very young. Uh, from grade five to grade seven, I was doing both rugby union and rugby league until we got to high school. So it was awesome. And then you went to Brisbane State High School, and that where is that where sort of rugby sort of took over? Yeah, definitely. Um, um, you know, Brisbane State High School, and shout out to all the uh, Brisbane State High old boys out there. Um, massive, massive part of the development and my love for rugby union kind of, that's where it kind of really came through. 
because as, as we were in grade eight, grade nine, uh, we could still play, you know, rugby league or clubs. So, um, I kind of stopped playing rugby league and really turned to rugby union where I was playing club on Sunday and playing school on Saturdays. So mm-hmm. it was like a two day, two day, two days of rugby, which was awesome for as a young kid. But as you get older, the body kind of gets the hit a little different, you know, kind of feel it a little different. So, uh, school became the priority for, for most of us boys. And especially being in the, in the first 15 squad, um, you know, those, those first and seconds would train all together as a big squad. That kind of changed things. So we kind of just all shifted to school until school finished and then we'll come back to clubs. So, and yeah, it was, it was a, that's, that's where my love for rugby union, uh, came. Um, my love for, uh, the Queensland Reds, uh, the Wallabies, uh, the All Blacks. Um, that's, that's, you know, watching all those games and being able to go to those games, um, that was really awesome for me. And, and, mate, how awesome is it that you've been able to follow something you've been passionate about for so long and actually make a career out of it? Like, I mean, is that just something that's, you know, because you see people out there that are in a job or doing something that they're probably not overly passionate about or not really loving. But, I mean, mate, how, how lucky have you been for, with that? Well, not lucky, but oh, I mean, how fortunate. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. I'm very fortunate, very blessed. Um, luck, if people want to say luck. Um, I, I guess that's, that's where my faith comes in. Um, yeah. because there's a lot of paths in my, in, in the, in the road that people don't see. Um, there's a lot of hills, there's a lot of bumps. Yeah. There's a lot of, you know, the roads would split and I had to make decisions yeah. and I had to pick is, is partying, uh, the thing for me or is, it's chasing my dream. And at the time, like as a kid, it's any kid's dream. You know, you play footy, of course you want to play footy. But there's, there's times that comes in with a realization of, is it actually going to happen? Or do I need to get a day job? Or do I need to study more to give up this? And, you know, for any young man coming through, um, especially with footy and, and, and any young uh, women now uh, playing sevens or, or any football that they want in, in the professional era, it's a hard decision, man, and it's yeah. it's like your dreams crushing in front of you when you don't get picked for that team, um, when you don't get selected for that that Queensland rep or yeah. that schoolboy team. And for me, I didn't get picked in those schoolboy teams very much. You know, I didn't get picked in those Aussie schoolboy teams. I didn't get picked for the GPS teams in in high school, and it was really tough. Um, you know, coming to school with your mates in the Reds Academy. Um, I, you know, I didn't, I wasn't in there. Um, so that's probably something we again, both that's got, my... probably something we both got in common, mate. I wasn't picked in any of those yeah. either. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, but, exactly. And, and like, and I hope young kids don't think that that's the end of the road. Cause yeah. you know, I, I didn't go, I didn't come through that pathway. Um, so for me, like, when my, again, when my faith came in, when my family came in, where they kept encouraging me, yep. um, to just keep going for what I, what I, you know, what I, what I need in my life and what I dream about. Um, and me trusting, me having to put the biggest trust in God and saying yeah. it's all part of his plan. You know, certain things where I thought I would have made it and I did make it, certain things would, would, would cut it off. Mm. You know, um, I know in under 20s, I, I played under 20s for Fiji, uh, one year in 2012. And then the following year, I made the squad for the Australian team under 20s as well um, wow. and it came up all the way till the week we were about to leave 
we're meant to leave on the Tuesday or something, and the fall, uh, the Thursday beforehand, I found out that my visa wasn't going to allow me to leave the country. You know, things like that. Wow. And me, like, being about to represent Australia at uh, under 20s level and being cut off because of a visa issue. Like, you know, things like that would, where it's times where I would have to trust God and be like, nah, this is what's meant to be. And I may not see the end result and, and it's the toughest thing for a young kids to, to go through that. And the, obviously, there's tougher things. I'm just saying, in terms of rugby, yeah, yeah, yeah. to have your dream right there, almost about to represent a show, the country you want to represent, and then it gets taken away. You know, so mate, you, you didn't. Paperwork. So you didn't make that trip then? No, nah, I didn't go to France that year. Oh wow! I had to. I, I wasn't allowed to go uh, because I was allowed to leave the country, but I wouldn't be able to get back. Um, they didn't, they didn't, because there was some paperwork. It was just paperwork. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and you, you think, oh man, I'm about to represent Australia. Like, surely the paperwork would come through. Yeah. Um, and it didn't happen. So that happened. But by the end of that year, I played club footy. I played, um, club footy for, um, for Jeeps. And I played, I played most of the premier games and I was only, I was only 19 at the time and I was playing premier grade. And trying to be the best center, and then at the end of the year, I got signed to the Queensland Reds. So, you know, it's wow. something that I believe God cut one, cut one thing out for me. But then look what happened. Yeah. You know, so I, I couldn't see that. I, I yeah. don't know what God has planned for me and what uh, route He's going to take me. But that's where faith comes in. Uh, yeah. That's where belief comes in, and understanding that God has a better, better door, he's closing one door, but it's definitely going to open a better one. And um, those lessons I've learned from a young age and it held me steadfast until now. So um, not going on that 20s trip to France uh, was tough, you know, uh, but I got signed to the Reds at the end of the year because I played club footy the whole year. Um, so it's funny how things work out. And, and mate, looking back on it, like hindsight, you, you know, that's at the time, like even though you had the faith, was it still difficult? Like were you still devastated? Were you still... Or, or were you just looking at it going, oh, well, this is this is part of the process and I've just got to move on? Um, or or what, were you going through those highs and lows with that? Oh, 100%. Um, uh, like one thing I didn't mention, and it's probably something I don't mention a lot, but um, I think it's important to know is that um, when I when I got told that um, I wasn't going, the week the week uh, beforehand, my, my grandmother passed away. Oh, wow. And she was a massive massive part of my life um because her her and obviously my grandfather uh brought me to yeah. australia so you know my um, they're the two that raised me yeah so um we were away in camp in gold coast at the time um the team had already been selected i got selected for that team and we were in camp um and we played a game against png on a saturday and after the game you know i went back to my room and stuff and Got cleaned up and I saw a lot of missed calls on my phone and, um, and I ended up calling back and my brother was the one to tell me, my uncle, but I call him my brother, um, he was the one to tell me, you know, mom's, mom's passed away and I just broke down and that was a week before I got told that I wasn't allowed to leave. Like, so, you know, like, yeah. it, was, it was a lot going on at that time that people don't know about. Um, the whole squad knew. Um, they were all, you know, the team that are, um, at the 20s at the time, they all got around me and was awesome. The coach and stuff um, told me to go home because so, we were camping in Gold Coast at the time. So I drove back up to Brizzy, yeah. uh, saw the family, and then came back down to 
to Sydney where we had camp before we left uh, for France. So I was still dealing with that. I was yeah. still dealing with the fact um, that she's passed throughout that last week. And, um, and, to, and to hear that you're not allowed to go to France um, because of visa issues was just kind of the icing on the cake. And, I, and at that time, I was ready to give up rugby. Um, because you know, God tests your faith, and I was ready to give it up. I was just like, Man, like, I, I don't think God wants me to do this. You know, yeah. He's taking away someone who I love, uh, endlessly, and then taking away this opportunity of footy to represent a show. I, I don't think I really want to, I really want to do this. So, uh, at that time, I thought, Man, it was tough, it was tough mentally. Yeah. Uh, spiritually, it was tough to, to accept what what's been happening. Um, yeah. But again, that's that's where faith comes in. But most importantly, your family. Um, God puts the right people in your life for a reason. So, um, at that time, my grandfather was he is my number one supporter. Um, he would encourage me. Um, he would take me to training. He would cut the oranges up yeah. um, for footy, uh, make my lunches and all that. He was the one that. To really encourage me, my 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 sister, my my brothers, you know, his kids, they kept pushing me, and um, that's why I ended up kept playing at deep. So I just um, I moved on. Yeah. As with with rugby, and said, okay, that part's not gonna work. I gotta find another avenue, and um, thank God I stuck to it. Um, because even throughout that year was a tough year, and I wasn't I wasn't sure if I was gonna get signed to the Reds. Uh, I was trying to play the best footy I can, and the end of 2013, um, I was ready to give up rugby because of what, just because of the year, you know, the year that's gone by, it was just a tough year. Mm. Um, it was just, it was a, it was a big learning year for me, 2013. And that year I was, I was, uh, I was ready to fill out applications for the mines because my brothers were at the mines at the time and they told me that, you know, if that, it's, it's, it's not, uh, what you know, it's who you know in the mines. So, um, they were willing to help me out to get, get me to the mines because um, you know, I was ready to give up rugby and, and find work and stuff. And um, like, like, yeah, the light at the wow. end of the tunnel, the Reds ended up signing yeah. me um, a week, a week, one week before I was about to um, go to the mines. Like I was about to apply for the mines and and whatnot. Um, yeah, the Reds ended wow. up signing me a week earlier, so the mines plan went out the window. So um, that's where my rugby professionalism of rugby kind of started at the Reds and. Um, thank God it's been been held so far. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, as a, as a as a as a mad supporter for rugby, I guess we're very grateful you didn't go to the mines at that point in your life. Uh, but, mate, <laughs> yeah, just, how was what, what were the, some of the sacrifices you had to make in wanting to pursue your dream? Uh, I mean, it wouldn't have been it, it wouldn't have been easy, right? I mean, there would have had to have been some things that, uh, like you mentioned before, some parties and stuff like that that a lot of your mates were doing. I oh, mean. Yeah. You would have had to have really stayed focused, and tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it it, it started from uh, it started from really high school because that's where um, like rugby became a, kind of like a reality of maybe I could make it because a lot of the boys are making red squads and all that. But I'll tell you now, there was there was there was kids in high school. There was boy, my boys in high school that were way more talented than me, mm. way more talented than me. Um, I wouldn't say I had the drive or more drive than them. I just had, I, I think, like, honestly, it keeps coming back to it, but my, my faith is what made me stay in that course because yeah. um, 
so many lessons in the Bible, so many scriptures that talk about um, really like doing everything you can for not anyone's glory, but for God's glory. So for me, it was about like, man, God's giving me this talent. I've got to be able to like, maximize it. Yeah. And, and I keep using like, the, the, like, um, <clears throat> like just, just soaking in everything, but every opportunity I can get and really maximizing it. So when the boys would, would really party, like, because my grandfather was really strict on me at times and sometimes I couldn't go to some, um, some things I couldn't go to, but allowed me to sleep that night and wake up early in the morning and train, mm. you know? Um, and not to say I didn't go to the parties, like those parties that we all went to as, as the boys, but, um, there was more times trying to sacrifice training, sacrifice parties so I can train. Yeah. Um, and it could just mean like a 5k run in the morning, but that's, that's after I wouldn't have done if I went out with the boys, you know? Um, mm giving up alcohol, like I didn't drink, I never drank uh, in high school and that, uh, with the boys, like I'd always be the sober driver, yeah. um, so if I was to go anywhere with the boys, um, their parents would trust me to go with them, so I'll be the one driving them around uh, to different parties or uh, or whatnot, but I think my mentality really changed in high school where I was so focused on wanting to make it, yeah. nothing else really mattered to me. Um, and that came expenses of not just partying, but like schoolwork as well. So that's one thing I regret, like um, not concentrating more on schoolwork, you know. Um, yeah. I was so driven. I would just like, I would just be okay with the past instead of like striving for, for better. So yeah. uh, those things you kind of learn, learn as you fact. keep growing older, you know. So um, yeah, it's, it's awesome to see that uh, come to fruition for me now. And, and I'm glad I had to go through those tough times and sacrifices. Uh, like I had, to, I had to sacrifice some relationships. Yeah. I had to sacrifice, like I said, partying. I had to sacrifice hanging out with uh, with girls or with the boys or drinking. I had to sacrifice all that. I had to sacrifice some of my friends um, uh, because they weren't on the same path that I was going on. And, and friends that I was close with in high school, we kind of, um, kind of not really talking anymore because because um, they they went a different way. Whereas I'm still close with the friends that really kept pushing me and kept inspiring me. And, um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's funny. Like you, you become the people that you surround yourself with. Yes. Um, the family, the friends, uh, the energy. Um, so I wanted that energy that kept pushing me forward instead of trying to like, Hey, let's go party kind of thing. So, yeah. yeah. And, and Sam, you mentioned before that you sort of, uh, mm. you gave up alcohol. Is it something that you're still giving up or you sort of just cut right back? I mean, is that um, is something you're yeah, conscious? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely something I don't I don't touch um, very often. Like, um, I remember the first time I actually drank was with my with my cousins. Um, it was like a New Year's and, and it's, I've, I've had it like every, either every year or every third or second year, I would, I would have a drink with them, but um, that's about it. I don't really drink alcohol um i don't touch it i just i don't know i guess it's just something that um may deter me away from from where i'm, I'm going so it's yeah. something i don't really i'm not really yeah and, and not really strong about it. yeah no that's uh man it's good and do you reckon that's made a difference in your performance as well like is that part of um because i want to get on to nutrition and that sort of stuff being a professional athlete yeah. but do you reckon you know clean clean living in that respect with um staying off alcohol and obviously yeah. drugs is something that <clears throat> helps you. I, yeah I, I can't say it like i can't only talk for me but i can't say like i called that because 
there's a lot of great players that drink and have a drink yeah. or two here and, and, and perform the best they can, you know, um, and some of the best in the world. But I think just for me personally, it works. For um, you. I think it's helped me because yeah, it works for me because the reason, the biggest reason, I think people think I don't drink because of my religion. Um, I don't drink because I've I've seen the effects it had on my family. Yeah, that's why I don't drink. I've seen the heartbreaks. I've seen um, alcohol tear our family, tear my family apart. That's why I don't touch it. Um, yeah, you know that's it's it's uh yeah. There's a lot of memories as a as a kid growing up, seeing what alcohol's done, and I don't want that for for me. I don't want that for my uh, future family or, or or my family as a whole and my community. I don't want to see what I saw happen so that's why I don't yeah. touch it um, and it's just like to be honest it helps with everything really it helps with my mindset it helps the biggest thing I think is finances because finances can put stress on yourself um, yeah. I know a lot of people that can go out and blow 300, 400 a weekend yeah. you know I'd rather put that to like KFC or something you know like <laughs> I'm going to have a I'm going to have a, a cheat or just something. a cheat meal yeah. Food. yeah a cheat meal or it's not even going to cost me 500 It's going to cost me like 80 bucks max. You know, that feeds everyone. Uh, that's um, for, yeah, family feast. Yeah, exactly. Um, Like, like you know, shopping or something. Like, if I'm going to go out and spend a tough money, I'd rather spend it on something that, you know, everyone can enjoy. Um, yeah, so, so that'll be, yep. that's my kind of cheap meal, I guess. <laughs> and I wouldn't be drinking, but it uh, doesn't, doesn't mean I don't go out with the boys. Like, I'll go out with the boys and just look after them. I'll drive them. Yeah. Um, they all come crash back at home or whatnot. Um, but, yeah, it's always a fun time. And, mate, uh, getting back to your, your career. So, uh, with the Reds, uh, in, you first signed with them in 14. So, you, you would have – did you first pl- play with the Reds, made your debut in 14 with the Reds or 15? Yeah, 14. Yeah, 14. so I signed with them in the 21st, end of 2013. Uh, preseason and yeah, made my debut at the end of 2014. So I was injured the whole year, yeah. And so, uh, mate, so in 2014, you, you had injuries. I mean, it's is that just as devastating as a player? I mean, tell me about that because I mean, that'd have to be some of the, a big one of the biggest challenges you have to face being a professional athlete. Um, yeah, yeah, I'd have to take one of the be one of the biggest surely. Um, Especially depending on the severity of it is, like how tough it is to come back from certain injuries. Um, it plays like a massive mind game on yourself um, because it's it's a lonely place at times because if you're in rehab, like any player would know, rehab is pretty lonely and you train so much harder than the boys that are playing. Yeah. Because those boys get to play week in, week out, but you have sometimes your own schedule timing of things um, on your day off, you're coming in to do recovery, and because you're trying to just make that all, all that recovery work and, and, and heal your body. And, um, you know, my year, 2013, I started, uh, when I got signed to the Reds, I came in with an injury for that, that I suffered at the grand final. I, I tore my PCL in my knee. So I came in with an eight week, eight to 12 week rehab. Um, as I came in, I started rehab, and the day I, the day I came out, uh, that week we we played a trial match against uh, Chiefs before the season started, and then I I saw I got injured again for another four weeks. Uh, I did my syndesmosis, so I had back to back injuries in my first year of the Reds. So I wasn't even I wasn't even like 
I probably wasn't even going to get re-signed, really, because um, the whole year I was injured, you know. Um, I finally got fit, and I finally come, got back to to playing, and I debuted for the Reds, um, yeah, at the back end of 2014. Uh, for Will Genia's 100th, I played my first tap, so it was funny. Like, from then on, I played, and I've never stopped playing since. Um and lucky I got re-signed and uh, ended up playing some good games at the back end of the year. Then played the NRC, and yeah, it's just been a been a rollercoaster of emotions at the time because, like you said, with injuries, man. Like again, that's at times you just think of uh, if this keeps happening, that's it. Like because it doesn't. It's not just for sport. I don't think people understand. It's like your throughout your like your your normal day. It's not a normal day. Yeah. Um, Boys, I get, you know, like imagine someone having to shower you, your partner or your family, your uncle or yeah. um, your grandfather, like having to clean you up in the shower because you can't do it in yourself. You know, that's, that's tough, hard, that stuff's hard. Like, you know, you get a sh- shoulder injury, you can't even, you know, wipe your bum. Like, yeah. that's, it's tough, man. So I don't think people see that side of things. You know, they see yeah. them in a the cast and they see them training hard, but they don't see what effects it has at home, you know, for say for an uh, older rugby player who has kids or anyone that has a kid in rugby, you get injured in your shoulder or something, you can't lift your kids up and you can't play with them. Um, that stuff has a, has a, is a, is a mental battle as much as it, as it is physical. So, um, yeah, I think it's one of the biggest parts of footy and where you can prepare not to get injured. You can do the best prehab. Yeah. But, man, when, when you're meant to get injured, you get injured and it's tough, man. It's tough to swallow. Yeah, to a degree, it's out of your control. But and I guess you mentioned isolation during injury. Um, but then there's also the other part of the FOMO, right? Because you're seeing other players playing, you see people maybe playing well in your spot, or you there's always that yeah. that you know you like you want to get back out there and and play again, but you sort of got to do your time, you exactly. know. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like I've learned as of and cause that's how I used to feel when I was young. But as I got older and I got injured. Um, I found the positive side to it. I found that God was like planned that for me, and um, I put my time in other things. You know, mm-hmm. um, I remember when I saw my bicep in 2017, I think, or 2018. Uh, it gave me time to go to Fiji with the um, uh, the classics, the Australian classics, and and, and give back to the community in Fiji because I was injured. Yeah. So there was plenty of times where I was like, oh, like. It's so much positivity that I can get out of injuries as well. That's where you, that's where I think your mindset has to go to, yeah. um, because it's because it's because it's tough. Um, it's tough to always look at the negative side, but you've got to look on the on the positive side, and, and it really works out for you. And then, so uh, you made your debut against England for this is for the Wallabies, sorry, uh, in 2016. Yep. Is that correct? Yep, that's correct. And that was that was when they toured Australia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and mate, tell me, what what did it mean for you to be able to be first selected but then to play for the Wallabies? And I know you probably get this question a lot, but it'd just be good to just yeah. to hear it. Oh, man, it was, it was a dream come true because when I was young, I, I've, I always wanted to play for Australia once I got to high school and stuff and seeing how schoolboys is. Like I said, watching the Reds play every weekend they played at home, um, it was like, Oh, you know, I can't explain the feeling. It's hard. It's it's just when 
I guess it's, there's a lot of emotion when you're walking out in that gold jersey. Um, you know, emotion of wanting my my grandmother to watch me play uh, and see that, like, you know, you I made it. Like, yeah. I made it to where all those prayers, all those nights yeah. of training, all those nights of um, taking me around to, to play games and play Sunday mornings, like I said, cutting those oranges up, making my lunches, helping me go to training. It all, it was, it was all worth it. Um, all those sacrifices, not just my sacrifices, but my family's sacrifices in Fiji, here in Australia, it was worth it. And it, and it happened. And, um, yeah, it was just, it was crazy. Like walking out, I was just so grateful, man. I was yeah. like, I'm so blessed to be here. And I cannot wait just to like give my best each game in this jersey. So, um, there's a lot of emotions because you realize at that point everything you've worked so hard for, all those sacrifices, and there were some tough sacrifices and heartbreaks throughout the whole process of it that people don't see. Yeah. They just see you putting on that jersey. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it was my moment to myself just when I knew, like, wow. I remember, I, I, I can simply remember me walking out and just, looking at the crowd and just, man, yeah, just, I don't know. And, and to do it beside Tivita Kurindrani yeah. um, was really special to me because he was someone I've been striving to be, to be. Like, um, I was chasing him. Um, I was chasing great players before him, as in, you know, Nemanja Nandolo, uh, Junior Rossellier, all those guys made it before us. So for, for me to strive for that and, and walk out there like you know yeah. I felt I was doing our community proud I, was, I felt like I was doing my, my family proud and Fiji proud um, and yeah it's just a lot of flood of emotions that come into your heart um, and then as quick as it came in um, it goes because you, it's time to it's time to play um, yeah. that's my favourite part you know do your job mate that's we, it if, uh, if, we, if we focus on some of the challenges of being a professional athlete um, and and I, and so back on the, I've got uh, every faith uh, Samu that we're going to see you back in a Wallaby jersey at some point uh, in your career because you're still still very much so in your prime. But if we if we go to some of the biggest challenges of being a professional athlete is 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 there pressure? Is there stress? Tell us about that side of it that we don't really hear about much. Uh, it's everything, man. It's it's pressure. Uh, the pressure is, is real. Um, but it's how, I guess it's how you feel about pressure. Yeah. Um, that's how, you know, you divide the great from everyone else because they can really conquer pressure. Um, everyone, everyone has a little fear in them. Um, but it's how, again, how you overcome that fear and how you use that fear. Um, because, because for me, like, it's, I guess playing in the Wallaby jersey, you have so much on you. You know, you got, and people don't realize this is not just for the Wallabies. This is for any any professional team. Um, there's there's ex- expectations um, from each other in a in a playing group from your from your peers uh, to perform at a certain level. Um, there's expectations from media. There's expectations from uh, people that you know hold stakes um, stakeholders in 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 the game, um, the fans. But I don't think people realize how much pressure we put on ourselves yeah. to perform. 
Um, is that the biggest pressure, Samu? Is the I one... think yeah. For me, for, for me, is my my own pressures would be the biggest. Yeah. Because as much as as much as um as much as it's important to do the fans proud and all that um and the stakeholders and the business people, it doesn't really affect me to be honest. Like it doesn't like it's not the most important thing. Yeah, there's there's pressure to perform, of course. Um, but I, I think the pressures on myself and as a teammate. It's probably the biggest thing. Is it the pressure because that you might let your teammates down, or that you let yourself down in how you want to perform, or a bit of both? Yeah, because yeah, because every, everyone like you see the sacrifice that your teammates that your teammates put in, you know, to be the best they can be. And if you're not doing your part, that's you know that's the tough bit, like you know, and people will see that. And it will show on the eighty minutes of game that um, that you play. Because some sometimes you're just not good enough on the night. But they sometimes you know when a guy is not putting in, and um, he knows it, and he and he has to change that mindset and really put in. And um, because if you've all put in and you fall short, it's that's you know that's yeah. that's where you where you grow more. You, yeah, let's get better in this area. And at least not, you've not given it your person. best, right? Exactly. Like and. And you see everyone sacrificing, but I think players put that pressure on themselves to, to perform and they train hard. They train the hearts down uh, in the off-season. They work on things they need to work on and that's what brings us together because our, our work ethic will bring us all together and that's the biggest pressure I feel to, to myself. Or I can only speak for myself is um, no one else's pressure um, really matters because I've, I've put more pressure on myself than they have, you know? Yeah. They think they're putting pressure on, but like a week after that game's done, they don't really care about that game. It's on to the next one, you know, where I'm like, I got to work on that craft. I got to work on this specific skill because I need to be better. And, and you, you work on it and you get better and you get better and you get better. Uh, it becomes habit. So um, that pressure is probably the biggest pressure I feel is just on myself. But at the same time, controlling that pressure, overcoming that pressure and that fear to really perform. And is there also is it also part of the challenge in being a professional athlete is the travel as well, Samu? Like traveling a lot and being away from family. Uh, yeah, I, I think um, <clears throat> I think the travel is pretty awesome um, in terms of like you, you get to man, you get treated <laughs> like royalty when you travel. Um, yeah, but I think it, I think the hard part is being away from family, especially for guys that have kids. Yeah, um, you know, wives and girlfriends and whatnot, or or just family in general. Um, I think that that'll be the biggest, biggest challenge, and also staying staying with the same person each weekend. Like you know, uh, you got to get a good roomie for certain parts of uh, certain trips because you know, uh, if not, you'd be hearing certain people snore the whole night, uh, which is always <laughs> tough. <laughs> but um, no, nah, like you know, trips like South Africa, they used to be four weeks, so yeah. four to three weeks away, and that's it's a long time. Um, I thought that was long until I, I went to the Wallabies and played with them. And, you know, we're doing um, four to six weeks trips, you know. The World Cup is almost eight weeks, you know. So yeah. it's crazy. Um, it's crazy, but the rugby kind of overtakes it and you want to win and you want to perform. Yeah. Um, so, and the thing is, you know, you don't want to do this job for a long time, man. Um, one day it's going to it's gonna finish and the, and the next the next kid's going to come and, and take that jersey, and he, it's his time to move it forward. So um, you've got to really cherish each moment that you have because 
the time of family will come and you'll, you'll be spending time with family for the next 40, 50 years growing old with them. Yeah. Uh, whereas rugby may last maybe six to 10 years if you're lucky, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's really tough. And mate, t- tell me, obviously, you've been part of a high-performing cultures and, and really professional environments. H- how important is culture and team culture? It's probably the most important thing um, in an organization because if you don't have that right, it kind of filters into everything else. Yeah. Um, like I said about you know wanting your teammates to work hard and be the best they can be, that comes back to culture and what, how you set the bar and how, how much of the culture is ingrained into everyone that they want to be the best. Yeah. Um, like, just look, look at, look at the, uh, look at the old blacks and how long they've had their success. It's because their culture breeds success, um, and breeds, I guess, attention to detail, um, caring about each other and, and whatnot. And that's not to disregard any other team in the world. Yeah. It's just they've, I guess they've had it right for a very long time. Where if you come into that, come into that camp, you know what's what's expected, um, and it may be tough for them. You know, it may, it may be the toughest environment uh, for different guys, um, but that's that's just how it is, and that's how they win. So um, it can be tough sometimes. Um, cultures, different cultures can be tough. Some cultures can be really loving um, and still win. So I guess it's how you get a group of guys. They really come together with that culture, but also the next group of guys that come in have to like understand their culture and grow it. You know, yeah. times will change, cultures will change with time, I guess. And um, but if you have the same, I don't know, remedy for the whole time, it, it, that it works for that for that for those people that come in, man, it just keeps it just keeps rolling out. Like like it just keeps breeding success. Like I said, they just keep breeding awesome players. Yeah. Uh, look at the Crusaders. Like I said, the Crusaders do the yeah. same thing. Melbourne Storm. Watch Melbourne Storms now. You got the Roosters doing it. Like yeah. you know. Um, yeah, there's something in that, like, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. You can just tell that there's something there. So. Um, and mate, you've, yeah. you've been part of a lot of uh, leadership um, groups in these high-performing cultures, and obviously you mentioned some of the key things for a, a really good culture, which is that accountability, a high performance, yeah. high standards amongst each other. Um, is there yeah. any other key elements that, that you think are critical to team environments and performances? Honesty, probably? Yeah. Um, I think, yeah. Like, yeah, I probably could... Honestly, add honesty into the honesty is a big part, um, because and, and um, honesty and understanding, because um, say coaches will will see things somewhere, but that's where um, honesty comes in, and players have to speak up and having a voice like about what's happening, what's happening with the group, and where we need to go. I think it has to all work together, and it honestly has to like even as an organization, I think it, it needs to be important to have a uh, a clear way of communication for everyone because if the lowest not the lowest but say the if the janitors are feeling something at the club organisation that the players aren't doing they have to be able to speak up mm. and tell the coaches and the coaches tell um, coaches tell the players. the players and the players mm. you know and, and that's like you know if, if, if people have been leaving rubbish around um, it's a standard thing and you have to be able to tell everyone that from the CEO to the general, we have to clean up after ourselves. Yeah. Um, 
I think clear ways of communication and being honest about what what's happening and um and what needs to be done. Um and I think accountability yeah, like you said, accountability is probably the biggest thing as well because everyone has to be accountable for their actions and and reaching that standard that everyone wants. But you obviously have a very strong mindset. Uh, and you're a, you're a real competitor, and there's no doubt from watching you play footy that you you have that mindset that is you know you want to do your best for the team, for yourself, for your family, uh, for your country. Um, how did you get that mindset? Is it something you've always had, uh, or is it something you've built up over time? Um. Oh man, yeah, you have to be over, over time. Um, I guess I just I've always wanted what I wanted. And um, again, like I sound like a broken record, but it's my faith that comes through every time because yeah. that's what I believe God has intended me to to do and um, use my platform in a positive way. And I think I guess one thing I didn't mention, like in terms of the leadership stuff, is uh, one thing that I feel conquers all of that, like has, has to be at the top, is is like care and love. Yeah. Um, I know we don't really say that word a lot, um, but in rugby, and in, but if you, if you love the place, if you love the organisation, you will you will do your best you can. You will be understanding to others, and everything kind of flows from from love. Um, for me, because I, I love my family greatly, and um, why I've had that mindset is because so I can provide for them. Um, you know, for anyone like financially. Rugby's allowed me. I've used rugby as a vehicle to allow me to to really share take, take care of your family with my yeah. whole family. Yeah, with my whole. And when I say whole family, I mean the whole family. I mean the whole family, not just my mom and dad. I mean the whole family. So as as a Pacific Islander, uh, as a Fijian man, um, it's, uh, that's not a burden to me. Yeah, that's how our culture is, and I want to help with who I can help. Uh, on that side of things. So for me, that mindset of grinding away and sacrificing myself and my relationships uh, with people so that they can they can eat well or they can sleep well, yeah. I'm willing to do that because I know, I know God will bless me in life later, you know. Um, uh, in the, and there's riches that I want that's not on earth, that's in heaven, that's what I... Uh, would strive for, you know, because everything here on earth, as nice as, as it is, um, getting my my soul and my and my heart right for what's after this time is is important to me. And, and do you have Sammy, Do you have any pre-game rituals, post-game rituals that you you go through uh, to help you perform? Um, well, just like I wouldn't say ritual. Probably just be what I usually do. Um, like every morning I'd, uh, before game, I'd go for a walk and that. And uh, especially we're playing at the Reds here, my final year, I was I was going for walks with my my grandfather every yeah. morning, and we go play some basketball, basketball, and uh, some one on ones. And mm-hmm. I'll just try to school him, get my confidence <laughs> up for the game, you know. That's um, it. But nothing yeah, like get that. Exactly, nothing like it. Um, do that and have a nice feed and just kind of man. I, I try to stay as relaxed as I can. Yeah. Um, I don't try, I don't play the game in my head. I don't start thinking about situations like um, that. That stuff's been happening. That stuff has happened through training. You know, you 
you've you've gone through moves that pieces and you've you've acquired what you need to acquire knowledgeable wise and um yeah you just kind of tick off not tick off all the boxes but you you get better where you can get better yeah um you study you study the the opposition um so on game day you just want to you because for me you don't want to be too excited yeah. but you don't want to be too relaxed you've got to stay in that mid mid place where when you come to a form you stay in that mid place because if you're too excited you miss opportunities yeah and if you're too relaxed you don't see enough yeah um so for me he's starting off at that relaxed stage and by the time we get to the game i'm in that mid section where yeah i'm excited I'm just ready to do the, do the business, you know. So that's where I kind of keep my mindset so that when I get out on the field, I'm I'm at that mid mid level where I'm just sitting okay because I'm I trust my instincts, I trust my teammates, I trust the the game plan that we've set, and I just gotta kind of go out there and execute. And so, I mean, obviously now you're you're playing uh, for Suntory in Japan uh, in the professional league yeah. over there. How have you found the culture? Have you found it different? Have you found it, um, you know, the Japanese people, they say, and I've only been there once, but I mean, they, they're very nice, very uh, respectful. Um, yeah. Yeah. You're you enjoying it? Oh, man, I'm absolutely loving, uh, loving Japan at the moment. Um I think the culture there is is, uh, is awesome. It's very refreshing for me to have a different culture of not just the team culture, Ontario culture, but of the country. Um, just sorry, it's just awesome to be in another country and um, really experience how things are done over there. Uh, the rugby, the professionalism of their program is is really up there. Um, yeah, it's. Their programming, their rugby, uh, the culture of the boys, the way they are, uh, nutrition, everything um, not only ticks the boxes, it goes uh, above and beyond. So um, physically and rugby-wise, I'm not. I'm getting better. I'm getting better being around this. Yeah. Um, those boys have a, a professionalism that I've never seen before in terms of the whole squad being able to be really professional uh, because they're all workers. So. Uh, they want to keep playing rugby and they work and come and do training. So they're doing extras every day. Uh, just the way things are, the way things are run over there is awesome. Um, but then to have my, my two brothers there as well, they live in Japan. Uh, one goes to university and one uh, plays uh, for third or shocky over there. So oh, wow. um, to have those two, yeah, to have those two over there is probably the biggest reason why. I went over there because I, I missed my whole childhood with them. Um, yeah. We didn't grow up together. Uh, so to be able to help my brothers out on that side and spend time with them is brings uh, me great, great happiness. Man, that's really good. And, uh, I mean, yeah, being around the family is obviously really important to you and family from our conversation is uh, yeah. is right up there with why you're doing what you're doing, which is really inspiring to, to hear and, and to listen to you talk about. The Japanese, um, they're very committed, they're very dedicated, they're very uh, they're very structured, but very passionate people. Is the, is the fan base the same? Are they very very supportive of, of you know their team? Oh, they're, yeah, they're nothing but supportive. Uh, there's no, uh, like you don't see any negative things about on the news about their teams, and um, they're just all about positivity, which is which is pretty refreshing compared to how things are sometimes here in Australia. Yeah. Um, uh, 
you know, it's, it's man, like that training will have like a hundred people at training wow. you know, sessions and uh, we sign autographs, you know, uh, even when it's rainy and cold, there'll still be people out there uh, <laughs> signing autographs and uh, hugging babies and all, whatnot. So yeah, it's, cool. it's, it's pretty surreal. Um, and like I said, they're so passionate, like you said. So, um, so very passionate. It kind of just rubs off on you. Uh, and you want to play for more than just yourself when you're over there. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying it, man. And, and I miss it right now, you know. Uh, I can't wait to get back there and, and be part of the team again. Well, that's good. As we as we round out the conversation, I'd, I'd just love to ask you, uh, who's been the source of your inspiration? Who, who have been your mentors throughout your career, the people that you've looked up to, um, you know, that you can that you sort of thank for, for being where you are today? I mean, I know they're probably not solely responsible, and I get that, but who has been a source of your inspiration? Um. You know, it's funny, as I've grown up, there's a couple of people now um, that I really look for, look to for advice and um, not just life, but rugby, uh, not just rugby, sorry, but life in general. Yeah. Uh, my grandfather would probably be, yeah, the reason why I've been able to do what I do and my yeah. biggest inspiration yeah. um, is him. Um, I guess he's, he's allowed so much sacrifices for me to be able to be here today and, and do what I do and, and obviously my parents um, but he's played a massive role um, because everything I do now and, and like who I help now is because of him so yeah, uh, he kind of he kind of filters everything down from his heart to mine and then mine kind of goes to everyone else's so um, he's probably my biggest inspiration since being uh, since growing up I think and funny enough, is like Shane Arnold uh, is someone that I really look up to and go mm. for advice, not just for contracting and finances because, you know, that's a job, but uh, just decision-making. Um, him and uh, Anthony Ficcone, um have been the two that have really guided my rugby for a very long time and decisions I have yeah. and, and, and helped me shape I guess that mindset is all of business side of things and they've been helping me off field to really acquire more knowledge of what I want to do after rugby, which is so important to, to players. And uh, it's really important to my family that, you know, I, 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 I sought that, sought that knowledge. And those two have been uh, two that um, have nothing but been positive for me. Uh, yeah. when, when, there's, when there's times where I've wanted to leave Earlier, uh, for Australian rugby, you know, Anthony Piccone has been the one to help me steadfast. He always wanted me to play for the Wallabies, so uh, that's the reason why I ended up staying. You know, um, yeah. to to play for the Wallabies was because of Anthony Piccone. So it's funny that like you know, it's sad to see things going on in the media time because you know media can change different things. But um, Piccone has been one person that's helped me stay in Australia for so long um, until I've made the I've made the decision to, to leave. So um, him. Yeah, Shane Arnold, and um, like I said, my grandfather's been one to help me with my, my just my life in general, and and the man I've become is because of him. Well, mate, it's uh, well, that's really uh, you certainly got some great mentors in those that you've mentioned. Um, as we just probably the last question I have for you, what's I mean, mate, you've yeah. you've played for the Reds, you've played for the Wallabies, uh, you've been in World Cups, you've uh, obviously you're playing professional rugby in Japan. 
what is, what is there less to left to achieve for Samu? <laughs> Probably, is it? I want to win a Super Rugby title, obviously. Yeah. Um, it's always been in my heart to win one of those, and um, I want to win. I want to win Japan Top League and Japan Cup. That's that's where my ambitions lie now. And obviously, I fell short last year in the World Cup. There's a World Cup there. There's a Better Slow Cup there. Um, I know I can't win it on my own. Um, I know I can't. You know, just say it and it's going to happen. Um, I still got to work hard for it and help, help our teammates that's around that time to, to build for that. And I hope, um, you know, Australia goes, everything happens well again with our show, what's happening now and how they get back up and running, you know, because you, you want to see your friends and family that you grew up with and are playing, you know, my teammates, my old teammates that are still playing here in Super Rugby, I want them to go well. So, um, there's a lot of titles in terms of rugby that I want to I want to achieve, but, um, that I have not yet to achieve. But um, I can only keep striving. And for me, uh, I want to be the best center in the world. You know, that's that's. You yeah. know, I wouldn't shy away from it and, and not say like, um, that's why we're in the game. That's all we strive for. And um, there's still a lot of lot more to do. Um, I'm nowhere near the best in the world right now. There's there's guys around the world right now that's holding that 12 and 13 jump off. Uh, said fast and they're the best in the world right now. So I'm, I'm striving to, to, to get to their level and, um, hopefully go, go one step further and try to become the best, you know. So, um, you know, you got guys at the Reds that, who I'm chasing, guys like Tim Horan, who's, who has been a pinnacle of Australian rugby in, in the center stage, especially in the center mm-hmm. position for so long. Um, you know, uh, Tim Horan's one person that, you know, you, you look at a game like that. Uh, Brian O'Driscoll, you know, you got your Ma Nonu, um, now you got guys like Nani Lomape coming through that he's killing it, you know, yeah. in New Zealand. Um, Manu Tulangi is, is killing it. So, so, so many guys that I strive to be as good as. And, um, yeah, that for, for me, that's probably my next step is even though I'm in Japan, I want to be the best center I can be in the world. So, um, mm. that's my, that's my goal for now. Well, man, I got no doubt with uh, you know with your work ethic and uh, your drive and desire and faith that uh, that you'll achieve that. And may, I, I just uh, you're an inspiration, and we appreciate uh, your time today. And thank you for sharing your story so far with our listeners. Um, and thanks very much for for joining me. No, thank you very much, bro. I really appreciate um, having me on the show. So really appreciate it. Is there someone working in mental health who you'd like to be featured on the podcast? Are there more questions you want the answers to? Let us know what you want to hear. Get in touch with us by emailing any podcast suggestions to membership at anzmh.asn.au and be sure to stay up to date on our socials at ANZMHA on Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn. Thank you very much for listening and we look forward to sharing our next conversation.